Trauma bonding is a relatively new term in the field of psychology. Traumatic bonding theory began being studied in the early 1980s and was later coined the term trauma bonding by Dr. Patrick Carnes, who specializes in sexual addiction and recovery. And while today trauma bonding is often used to describe what happens in sexual partnerships or domestic violence situations, traumatic bonding theory came out of studying broader terms of maltreatment within relationships, and it can be applied in many different ways. Trauma bonding, in essence, refers to entering in a relationship where cyclical patterns of abuse, harm, and mistreatment occur. This can happen in early adulthood when individuals have experienced childhood abuse, and it feels safe to repeat the pattern because it feels familiar. The familiarity is often confused for a type of love because the victim only knows a position of powerlessness and harm within relationships. From an energetic perspective, trauma bonding is comparative to codependency and the imbalances carried out in the lower chakras as a result from a lack of proper energy development in these lower chakras. Within the body, there are seven main what we call in-body chakras, which govern the fields of energy linked to physical, emotional, and psychological patterns of health. The first chakra, known as the root chakra, represents the family or group structure. The energy of safety and security lies here, along with the knowing that all your basic resources, food, shelter, nurturance, sleep, and community are provided for. When someone has experienced a lack of root chakra energy in their early years, which is often a result of neglect, abuse, or mistreatment, the root chakra doesn't develop a proper form of energy. The root chakra doesn't just relate to family. It can develop imbalances due to cultural, societal, school groups, community groups, peer groups as well. If someone is a minority and they live in a constant fear of being different from the collective population, there can also be root chakra imbalances. It doesn't always have to go back to the core family. In this root chakra imbalance then in turn impacts the next physical chakra, which is called the sacral chakra. And the sacral chakra represents the energy of intimacy, one-on-one relationships and partnerships, along with some other aspects of importance, but not directly relevant to our conversation today. This is where friendship and partnership develop. If someone had a strong family or root chakra foundation, it is likely they will go on to create healthy partnered relationships. However, if the root chakra foundation was unsafe emotionally or physically, then the sacral chakra may also have imbalances. The most common one being codependency or unhealthy one-on-one relationships. This is where people can get trapped in abusive, addictive or controlling relationship dynamics and generally happens early on in life during the formative years. It can be a parent, sibling, peer, teacher, or abuser that participates in reinforcing this unhealthy attachment. The third most relevant chakra to trauma bonding is the solar plexus chakra, which represents the energy of individuality. If there has been a healthy and supportive foundational connection to group energy and that individual has then learned to sustain healthy one-on-one relationships and intimacy, they will then move into a natural state of exploring and then mastering their individuation in the world. This is where we become I 
In the U.S., we lean heavily on individuality. However, oftentimes, that fails to produce healthy, confident, and happy individuals because the collective energy and the intimate energy are devalued, and therefore, that lower chakra energy and mastery doesn't evolve and happen in the same way that it does in more collective societies. This leads to people who are lost to others' needs, the archetypal servant energy of the solar plexus chakra, or on the flip side, those who are overly aggressive and demanding. This is where entrapment unfolds in trauma bonding. And although this term was, again, developed to reflect a relationship between two people, trauma bonding doesn't only happen in romantic relationships. Trauma bonding can occur in business relationships, jobs, within friendships, and romantic partnerships. While these references fall outside of the clinical terminology for trauma bonding as currently used, it is as ever relevant in my opinion. In fact, trauma bonding was first used to describe the destructive bonds between domestic violence survivors and the maltreated children and their caregivers that were heavily being studied in the early 1980s. There wasn't even a law on the book to prevent children from abusive caregivers until 1979. So right after that, there was this kind of progressive movement movement to start to look at, study, and explain what was happening in these types of relationships. Any type of trauma bonding includes certain cycles of power, destruction, and positive behaviors, which then reinforce and pull pe- people back in to the relationship because they feel like there's some aspect of love, even though it's not a real type of unconditional love. They're not being really cared for. This pattern can be seen in other power and control relationships, often in the workplace. There's covert sexualization, either through gendered roles of power or outright sexual implications that can be experienced. Often abusers will pose as a parental or friend-type figure, complimenting or rewarding what appears to be sincerity with an actual underlying intention of getting some type of behavior from the victim. This ranges from increased performance, workload, or personal favors. However, when the victim fails to perform in a desired desired way or some other event occurs that is outside of the abuser's control, the use of power, threat, and violence, which in this case is more likely verbal or psychological violence, is used as a way to control the victim, degrading, embarrassing, harassing, and working to decrease self-worth and self-esteem These attempts then allow the perpetrator to create a destructive cycle of performance shame with the victim where they've gained temporary power or control. I've worked professionally with a high number of business professionals, a lot of them women, who are recovering from these exact cycles with their employers or their bosses where they were used simply as a tool to increase business performance and profitability with the promises of hope, financial reward, or recognition. And while sometimes there was financial compensation or recognition that occurred, this performance was all based on like this temporary and, and immediate conditions of this force and this power, which then is followed by that more destructive cycle where the person then gets back in this power and abuse cycle, and once again, they start working harder so that they can benefit the abuser. This pattern can be seen in other power and control relationships. Often in the workplace, covert sexualization, either through gendered roles of power or outright sexual implications, can be experienced. 
Often abusers will, will pose as a parental or friend type figure, complimenting or rewarding in what appears to be sincerity with an actual underlying intention of getting some type of behavior from the victim. This ranges from increased performance, workload, or personal favors. However, when the victim fa fails to perform in a desired way, or some other event occurs that is outside of the abuser's control, the use of power, threat, and violence, which is more likely verbal or psychological violence in the workplace, is used as a way to control the victim. Degrading, embarrassing, harassing, and working to decrease self-worth and self-esteem. These attempts then allow the perpetrator to create a destructive cycle of performance shame with the victim where they've gained temporary power or control. I've worked professionally with a high number of business professionals who are recovering from these exact cycles where they were used simply as a tool to increase business performance and profitability with promises of hope financial reward, and recognition. And while sometimes there was a financial compensation or recognition that occurred, it was generally temporary and immediately followed by more of the destructive cycle of power and abuse to get the person to once again work harder to benefit the abuser. The same cycle can be seen in romantic, parental, and friendship relationships, each holding a unique aspect. Romantic partnerships generally contain elements of sexual control and abuse, which isn't even always direct physical abuse, but makes the partner feel ashamed, inadequate, and guilty. The perpetrator's own feelings of sexual insecurity and unworthiness are often underlying the projection of blame put on the victim, but never admitted to. Romantic relationships can contain equal aspects of emotional and psychological abuse that follow the same pattern. Not every domestic violence situation is sexually abusive. Not every relationship where a trauma bonding has occurred falls into a category of domestic violence. I've seen plenty of couples with trauma bonding who have layered sexual coercion or shame without violence or force, but still consists of the same cycle. I've also seen relationships where there was little sexual coercion, but brute psychological and verbal abuse. These latter patterns are often found in friendship and adult parental relationships where the perpetrator is using the victim to get what they want. It could be material, physical care, emotional satisfaction or validation, or behavior that they're trying to elicit. It all goes back to that cycle of power and control for the abuser. In friendship, these toxic relationships are built on a lack of equanimity where one friend is constantly exerting control over the other. For instance, they may always do things for the victim, but not allow reciprocation. This creates a control and power cycle where the victim feels ingratiated toward the other person. This keeps them in the relationship and gives the friend a sense of belonging, control, or empowerment. Usually these relationships are built on unhealthy attachment styles related to rejection, loneliness, or a fear of being alone. People who fall into trauma bonding as a perpetrator are often loners at the core. They seem like the perfect friend at first. They want to spend time with you, do stuff for you, help in any way they can, but they will only let you reciprocate to a point that they create an emotional bond of dependence with you. As the relationship progresses, they will allow you to do less and less small gestures of friendships for them, while expecting these larger acts of commitment. They'll commit to doing things together important things that you need help with only to abandon you or not fulfill their end of the bargain. 
In essence, they'll continue to abandon you in ways that keep you on an emotional roller coaster with them, only to draw you back in. These friendship trauma bonds can vary in the elements, but always contain the same cycle of power, control, destruction, and then positive behaviors. First, if you are in a relationship with some aspect of trauma bonding, I really encourage you to seek professional help. It will take consistent outside support to heal and get out of the pattern of trauma bonding. Trauma bonding relationships can occur at different levels of intensity. If you're not in immediate harm or you've left the situation, a romantic relationship, an abusive partner relationship, a friendship or a work business relationship, and you're already in a safe place, there are some energetic healing elements you can implement to heal patterns of trauma and not re-enter a trauma-bonded relationship. In fact, usually when a trauma-bonded friendship or work relationship appears, it's come out of a parent-child or romantic trauma pattern. And a romantic partner trauma-bonded relationship usually comes from a parent-child trauma. Trauma bonding rarely, if ever, occurs out of the blue with no history. Therefore, usually there are layers of patterns and relationships that will need to be identified and worked through. On an energetic level, working through the chakras, emotions, and archetypal patterns that reinforce imbalance and attraction to unhealthy relationships should be addressed. Forging a sense of self-power is essential to creating relationships in all form that will be authentic, loving, and respectful. If you feel like you are experiencing or you have experienced a trauma-bonded relationship, examine the foundation of your life. Where are you missing an essential community connection? Generally, domestic partnerships that result in trauma bonding always contain an element of isolation. Removing the victim's partner from other relationships as a way to make them dependent on the abuser. It may take real effort if you've exited one of these relationships to establish a community of healthy people. The first place to start might be group counseling or an educational group that feels safe. The same pattern of isolation can occur in parent-child trauma bonding relationships, abusive relationships, where the parent is constantly trying to isolate the children and not allow them to have outside friendships or relationships. Next, remember, even if you've been a victim, the universal law of attraction says you have the ability to create a different dynamic within your energy fields that allows you to break the cycle of abuse and begin to attract to you healthier people, relationships, and opportunities. We always have the opportunity to heal and grow and evolve. Use meditation, chakra clearing exercises, and spiritual books to help you gain insight. A licensed counselor who is experienced in trauma bonding will be able to help or an experienced healer that comes highly recommended. Be careful to not enter into new relationships quickly. Give yourself time to observe and see the real intentions of the other person. Work on clearing up your vibrational frequency and don't become too reliant on a healer or a friend to carry you through the process. Often trauma-bonded victims re-enter patterns of the relationships they exited by creating intense professional relationships with healers or counselors. A good healer will always hold a professional boundary, never make you feel guilty or forced into working with them, and encourage you to seek multiple sources of support. They will encourage you to speak up to people you trust about what you experienced and not hide away in secret. 
While trauma bonding or any other type of abusive, toxic, or harmful relationship can be difficult to confront and break the cycle within it, it is possible and much more so when you use your energy and spiritual support system to understand the patterns, emotions, and origin of the situation. When you can recreate a strong foundation in a community environment, you will move into the ability to forge healthier and healthier partnerships in one-on-one relationships. And last, this movement will take you into a space of finding the authentic version of who you are, the empowered self, or the inner spiritual warrior. The next phase of progression after you master these lower chakra energies and archetypal energy is moving into the heart chakra, the bridge for the spiritual and the physical chakras, as well as the spiritual and physical aspects of self, where unconditional love and self-awareness lies. This is also where you step into your creative power to connect with your dreams, soul people, and life purpose. While trauma-bonded relationships contain a very serious nature of abuse, remember that even healthy people can find themselves trauma-bonding when a catastrophic or unexpected life event happens, or even in more minor ways where the point of connection between two people is a power struggle with one person always coming out on top. You don't have to relate to trauma bonding to apply the concepts of the chakra development that we talked about today. And if you find yourself struggling with belonging, have poor intimate or partnership relationships, or a poor sense of self-worth, it's worth examining the health of your lower root, sacral, and solar plexus chakras and where the imbalances may be occurring that create a deficiency or an excess of energy. Other events can trigger the chakras to hold imbalances, and the chakras are not the only energy fields to play a role in the patterns we hold. However, it's a good place to start in understanding core elements of self and an overview of how energy cycles affect the larger perspective of your life. Thank you for listening today. I'm Erica Don Page, host of Modern Mania. Please visit me on Facebook and give me a like. Let me know what you think about my podcast. Erica Don Page is my Facebook handle. And you can also find me on Instagram, Erica D. Page, or my website, ericadonpage.com. You can sign up for a class or book a one-on-one private session where we delve into the full aspects of your energy dynamics and patterns that reveal why you create what you do in your life and how you can heal and get what you want. Until next time. Mm-hmm.